Today, we're talking about the land in Australia. So it's only right to pay my respects to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here. I produce this podcast on the land of the Bunurong Bunwarung and Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation. Their stories have been told for tens of thousands of years, and they are the masters of spoken word storytelling, humour and creativity. There are so many incredible Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here creating podcasts too. So do check them out. But for now, I just I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Australia has seen plague, floods and fire. These disasters have escalated in the last years and are those of biblical proportions. Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, prayed for rain during the black summer of 2019. Billions of animals perished in those fires. Billions. People lost everything. And some people lost their lives. Communities were just on the edge of recovery when the pandemic took the world over by storm, despite Scott Morrison's dedication to praying his way out of these disasters. Those prayers have been left unanswered for the moment. Now the world is waking up a little bit to just the lack of response from Australia's Prime Minister. So Scott wasn't invited to speak at the environmental summit. His invitation was actually withdrawn because it turns out leaders who don't do anything to um, combat the climate emergency aren't invited to speak about the environment. Hmm, fair enough. Luckily, there are some people that are doing more than just praying their way out of this. They are taking steps to ignite change. So today we're talking about the grandmothers of Australia and specifically in Western Australia who are camping out in forests, baking and knitting to protest the huge logging industry. These absolute badass nanas are from the activist group Nanas for Native Forests and they are confronting big business and the powerful logging industry head on. And why? Because WA has logged 90% of their forests in 200 years and there's no sign of slowing down. The trees and forests and wildlife are gone. So I wanted to know more. Firstly, why is logging so disastrous, specifically logging? And what the fuck is going on in a state that is losing its water rapidly and the temperature is rising to dangerous new heights? What is going on? Where have the trees gone? So, I spoke to a nana and my God, was I excited. So, today's guest is one of the Magnificent Seven, so one of the original nanas in the group. It was a big day for me, I was quite starstruck, of course. And it seems that um, yeah, even a year after Zoom calls and video conferencing, I still couldn't get the link quite right. But after a few minutes struggling with Zoom, we were finally in a call together. Hello. <laughs> wow. 
gracious. That's Di Shanahan, one of the nanas taking on the giant logging industry. Di is talking to us from Wadandi Budja. Others may know this as Margaret River, but Wadandi Budja is the indigenous name. Wadandi means people and Budja means the land. After we got comfortable and resettled in, I just wanted to know from Dyer firstly how a bunch of nanas got together and decided to take on the logging industry. I mean, how does that happen? And so Dyer told me the origins of the nanas for native forests, and it all started as a brainwave at a dinner party. So two long-term activists, Peter Goodwin, who is a nana herself, and Ray Sorts, were having dinner when the idea formed of the local nanas banding together. So there was a little meeting held at Peter's place around her kitchen table and there were seven of us and we thought, yeah, this sounds good, we're in. We really want to stand up and do something to stop logging. Di told me that there was really no time to spare. As soon as those seven grandmothers were on board, they were in. They were ready to go and dive straight in the deep end. And so they set their alarm clocks and they went on their first trip. Three o'clock in the morning, we left Margaret River and we drove to where the logging was. Well, actually, we left Margaret River at two, I beg your pardon, to be there by three because the loggers here start work very early. And we wanted to be there before they arrived. Now, it was really cold this morning. And there we were sitting in the forest with our banners across the road and with banners spread out across logs that had been cut down. We could hardly see anything really, it was really dark. We had our coffee and we had our cake and we waited. <laughs> and, uh, and how long were you waiting for and what were you waiting for? Well, we were waiting for the loggers to arrive. Well, the first one arrived and he was surprised, said, oh, hello, <laughs> it was quite friendly. <laughs> um, but of course, if there are other people in the coop, that's what they call the areas where they're logging. If there are people in there, they can't start up the machinery. It's an occupational health and safety issue, which is why we were there. Then other loggers arrived and they couldn't do anything. So then they sent for one of their bosses who came. He was annoyed. Then he rang somebody, called somebody else who arrived. He was from the Forest Commission. Anyway, he came and he was very pleasant and he talked to us and he asked us if we would leave and we said no. And uh, anyway, so I said he was chatting and he said something about, you know, his mother who was over 80. Well, then three of our groups stood up and said, well, so are we. And he got the shock of his life. <laughs> so uh, it was good. And then he said he would have to call the police if we weren't going to move. And we'd agreed to that. We said, yes, you know, you need to call the police. All of this being really a delaying tactic. Uh, the policeman came. He said he'd give us half an hour to pack up our bits and pieces. And 
we said yes, we would go. I mean, we had no intention of being arrested. What we were wanting to do was just to delay the logging and also yeah. to get photos and to get information to see what was happening in these coops. That may have been the first time Di and the Nanas went to sit amongst the trees with their cakes, coffee and their knitting needles, all rugged up and prepared for the morning frost, but it certainly wasn't their last. There were only seven of them then, but what they saw solidified their need for more activism, and it only spurred them on to go further and further. It was horrible. These huge, big machines, I mean, we talk about logging, which sounds like a very nice, neat little exercise. People just go in and chop down one tree at a time. That's not the way it happens. These machines just sweep straight through and they take everything with them. It's not just the trees, it's the all the undergrowth, it's everything. So that was the beginning. That was the seven of us. And the magnificent seven, I've heard you be called a couple of times. <laughs> we called that, which is really very flattering. But, you know, it wasn't that brave of us. <laughs> but, but we are determined because we think it's a very, very important issue. Anyway, that happened on the 8th of September uh, last year. On the 28th of September we organised another foray into the forest and we had written a letter to the Minister for Forestry informing him that we were doing this, informing him of what we had seen and, and how important it is that we think that logging in native forests must stop. Uh, so we'd sent this letter. The word had got out that we were leaving town at two o'clock in the morning and going to another area that was about to be logged. And this time there were between 40 and 50 of us. And is that 40 to 50 nanas? Yeah. Or supporters and mixture of, oh, of everything? No, that, no, that's the nanas and the oldest being 92. We know why we're there. We, we know we can only stop the logging for that day but it is a protest and we're very clear about that and we make sure that, you know, lots of photos get out, particularly of the areas that are being logged and, and just so the general population can see what it looks like because people really have no idea how awful it is. So that's why we do it, you know. We, I mean... The, is it very well hidden, do you think, in oh, Australia? Oh, yes. yes, it is. It is. You don't see it from the main road. No, you have to go off the road and, you know, down little tracks and so forth to see it. Yes, these coops are well hidden away. And so the impression is that the forests are great, but they're not. They're really struggling. Uh, and, and it's just terrible. The picture-perfect postcard of Australia would probably be some beautiful, pristine beaches. And my Christ, they are beautiful. That is not an exaggeration. 
that's for sure. But Australia is one of the most varied landscapes on Earth, and in this enormous country you can explore scenes from the snow-capped mountains of the Australian Alps to rich coral reefs, from rainforest to dusty deserts. And once upon a time, there were great forests too that spanned across much of Australia before settlers began logging. And so the landscape and environment here, I think is really important to people and not just indigenous people, which it is so important to. But I do think everybody here, one way or another, ties themselves to their landscape. And travellers leave Australia with stories of how gorgeous it is and how vast it is. But after speaking to Di, somebody who has truly gone beyond the scenic drives and the tourist routes marked out on the maps, it's clear that actually the routes that we're taking have been crafted to mask the true devastation of the landscape and the environment here. It's out of sight, out of mind. And Australia is so massive that big business can hide in the outback or can hide in different parts of this country without us truly understanding the damage that's happening. If we don't have our forests, the temperature is going to keep rising. The rainfall is going to keep dropping. We don't have the carbon sinks that, that the forests provide. So there's the general build-up of carbon. Uh, we're going to lose our flora and fauna because they don't have places to live. They don't have food to eat. The whole issue is enormous. By decimating our forests, we are really moving towards creating our own demise. So, you know, it's pretty ridiculous that, we ke that this keeps happening. As mm -hmm. grandmothers, as grandmothers, we have the time to do this and we want to stand up for our children for our grandchildren and for our great-grandchildren. Queensland remains in the grip of a widespread bushfire emergency. Authorities say with strong winds persisting and no rain in sight, the unprecedented spring fire disaster is far from over. In the black summer of 2019, 24 million hectares of land was burned. Just to put that into context, that's the size of the UK. Some 3,000 homes were destroyed and 3 billion animals were killed or displaced. Species that were already vulnerable and close to extinction were, of course, hit the hardest, and 33 people died. This was the wake-up call the world needed, and the grandmothers and many people around the world listened. The nanas know that they have time in the day to do this, and they also know the power that their image holds. It's an impactful way for them to protest. The Nana's activism is growing. They may have started with the baking and knitting, but they're really in this for the long haul. And the Nana's carried out a citizen inspection earlier this year. 
Manners for Native Forest Group has conducted what they're calling a citizen's inspection inside the yards of Sincoa operations just north of Bunbury. 30 nanners went inside the yards to gather photos and video of Jarrah being used as charcoal at Sincoa's silicon manufacturing process. They walked straight into Simcoa, and even they were not prepared to see the catastrophic damage inside. And my first question was, who the hell is Simcoa? Simcoa is a, a manufacturing plant here in the, in the southwest. Basically, they produce silicon. We don't have a problem with them producing silicon and manufacturing. We have a problem with them using jarra as charcoal in the manufacturing process. There are other silicon plants around the world. They don't use jarra. They can't because jarra only grows here. So we wanted to see what was going on in that plant. We knew what we were going to be doing was illegal but we decided we would take that risk. We uh, had found a way in, so in we went. Uh, as we, we called it, a citizen's inspection. We had drones and we had photo, you know, heaps and heaps of photos that we were able to take because what we saw was soul destroying, really. We saw what you could only call forest after forest of trees that had been logged, just lying there waiting to be turned into charcoal. Huge quantities. Now Simcoa have a contract with the Western Australian government to have access to 210,000 tonne of jarra per year. Now, this has been going on for 32 years. That is a lot of forest canopy. I worked it out that it's roughly 6 million tonne of jarra and we are just giving it away, basically. And burning it. Yes. Just burning it. Just burning it, while at the same time, the temperature is going up. You know, it's quite record, you know, the temperature here is definitely increasing in Perth, and Perth, mm -hmm. you know, obviously is where people will take notice, and the amount of water is dropping. But the other thing that's quite interesting is that Simcoa is in fact a Japanese-owned company. Now, in Japan, there were people like us who worked really, really hard to stop their forests from being logged because there was a lot of logging happening in Japan. Now, these Japanese people fought really hard and they have succeeded now it's 90% of the population support no logging in Japan and it doesn't happen. Manufacturing around the world is changing. 
Manufacturing is looking for processes that do not produce carbon, that are safe for our climates. It's not going to cause any problem. And this is what Simcoa has to look at. They have to find another way to produce their product. They're not on their own. You know, it is happening around the world. And it, but the burning of Jarrah has to stop. We were fined for our trouble. The police did, you know, that they were asked to press charges and we had trespassed and we agreed with that. So we uh, took it on the chin mm -hmm. and um, have paid our fines. Were you fined individually or were you fined yeah. as a collective group individually? Uh, each individual was fined $500 and is actually is really quite amazing. Um, people just, when they heard about it, just started donating money. It's amazing. So, you know, there's, there's 27 yeah. people fined $500 and the fines have all been paid. So, wow. you know, that shows what sort of support there is. Because, I mean, we, we were, as I said, just a little group of seven back in September. And now we've got f roughly 400 members. 400 nanas. Yes. Fantastic. And we're not going away. It's truly a movement. Yeah, you're not going away. It absolutely is a movement. Yes. Actually, as a result of, of our protest, we did get a meeting with the minister, which was really quite phenomenal. The meeting was in Perth at half past nine in the morning, which of course, once again, meant we had to get up really early <laughs> to get in the bus to go up to Perth, but we picked up other women along the way. And when we arrived in Perth at the uh, building that houses all the ministers, the government ministers, there were all these other women there to greet us. And they'd, once again, they'd set up tables with tea and coffee and cake, and it was just like a party atmosphere. There were only uh, six of us who went in to see the minister, but there would have been, you know, a good couple of hundred women outside. Once again, they were singing and talking and different women were giving speeches while we were inside talking to the minister. The minister did recognise that we do exist, um, did recognise the issues that we were putting forward. He has invited us, to, you know, to put forward our ideas, which well, we are doing it all the time, because we just know that logging must stop. So we keep on doing what we need to do. Elections have been won on the promise of not moving away from coal and mining in Australia. Mining has been a primary working sector in Australia and a major contributor to their economy. I mean, mining started in Australia back in the 1800s. Digging for gold and digging for wealth has never stopped. Logging came too, and so it's a huge employer here. The nanas know that logging might not go away forever, 
And they're not looking to put individuals out of work. They're not trying to close a whole industry down for people to be unemployed. The nanas know that having a plan to keep people in jobs is going to help their cause. And so they're asking for that too. People do say, oh, you know, what about the workers in the timber industry? Which is fair enough. But what we're saying is that what we want is a transition from logging native forests to managed plantations and farm forestry. That can happen and we need that transition now. The nanas are fighting for the forests, their community and their biggest worry is for their grandchildren and the children living in Australia because life for them will be incredibly different if Australia continues to ignore their climate emergency. I asked Di what worries her most about the future of their grandchildren. They're certainly not going to have the wonderful life that we as grandmothers have had. I mean, the climate is going to be very difficult. You know, you you worry about access to food. You worry about access to water. I mean... We live in a very dry climate and it's getting drier. Just on on ABC News, there were people talking about how much drier the southwest corner of Australia has become. There's this fellow who was saying there's something like 400, it used to be 400 gigalitres of water that came from the southwest to the dams of Perth. Now they're lucky if they get 70. I mean, that's wow. ridiculous. And basically yeah. that what, what the government has had to do is to um, desalinate seawater. Well, I mean, for goodness sake, we've got an issue. It's easy to fix. Stop the logging. Stop what you're doing. I mean, I don't understand how much time these ministers think we've got because we haven't Mm. got that much time. And, you know, we're talking about things that must be, you know, zero whatever it is by 2050. Well, for goodness sake, it's already 2021. I mean, that's what I find baffling is, is there seems to be this confusion about time. These government ministers have children. What sort of a future do they think they're creating for their children, let alone anybody else's? The native plants, animals and indigenous peoples of Australia have already stood against the face of colonisation and extinction and genocide. The indigenous people of Australia have been fighting for their land and country since British colonisation and they are joined by some really trusty allies who care about this land too. The Nanas started at seven and now they're 400 plus. What a bunch of legends. I think they are truly legends because they protest in the way that they know how. Being grandmothers, they know they can evoke shock, 
empathy and potentially common ground with people. And so they use that in their activism. That's why they wake up at 2am on a school night and drive in convoy to sit amongst the forests, knitting, drinking their pipe in hot coffee and offering cakes to police and the workers. They have time and the image that they carry through their activism is a powerful one. They have been invited to talk to the government and if the government thinks they may persuade them to be quiet or reduce any of the carnage that they're causing, they are very much mistaken. So, grandmothers of the world, unite, because it can happen. Anyone at any age can ignite some change and can be active. The grandmothers are on social media, so if you want to see how they are protesting, check out today's show notes for the details, or you just look up Nana's for Native Forests and you'll find them there. Thank you so much, Di, for talking to us today. You've been listening to Shut Up, She's Talking. My name's Alice, and we're going to finish this episode with the Nanas singing their anthem. Thanks for listening. Listen, 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 listen. She knows there's a better way. We are the Nanas for Native Forests. We're inviting you for tea. It's time to sit and rest a while Stop acting crazy Don't raise your hand Against your own family What you do to the forest You do to you and me Yeah, what you do to the forest You do to you and me Listen, 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 your nana's got something to say. Listen, 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 she knows there's a better way. We are the nana's for native forests. Come with us and you will see that the wonder of the forest is more than just the trees. Don't raise your hand against your own family. What you do to the forest, you do to you and me. Yeah, what you 